Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name, Father God. Hallelujah. So, we are going to continue with sanctification. Amen. I know a couple of us weren't here last week, so you can watch it on the video. <laughs> but, you know, you know, y'all remember what I talked about as far as uh, what, what's going to keep us? Oh, gosh, I guess y'all got to watch the video, too. <laughs> Our will, right? Yeah. Knowledge of the word, right? And surrender and submitting to the Holy Spirit, right? Those three things are going to keep us, right? Now, what I didn't say is, it, it, well, I did talk about how, you know, our sanctification, our salvation is instantaneous, but our sanctification is progressive, right? So as long as we're in these bodies, as long as we're in this earth, right, we're, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect, right? And we have to be able to discern like I talked about last week, and I talked about it before, the difference between someone that commits a sin and then someone that is a sinner, right? So we have to be on guard with that. But even though we have the will, the will to want to, to do God's will, right? And even though we have a knowledge of the word and we submit to the Holy Spirit, right? We still may progress at different levels. Why? Because some of us, you know, y'all have heard me say sometimes we as Christians, you know, we're saved. But sometimes we're not made whole, right? Some of us have faith re face rejection, right? Sometimes that can cause us to be stagnant. Sometimes fear, anxiety, worry can cause us to be stagnant, right? So even though we're progressing forward, when we get bogged down with those things, guess what? <laughs> we can hit a, a hiccup, right? So we got to be on guard with that. But as long as we have the will, the knowledge of the word, and surrender to the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to progress, right? When that, but I talked about how we can miss, have one of those things missing. And then, you know, we can still grow, but we're not going to grow as fast. Now we have two of those things missing. Guess what? We're really not going to grow as much. And now we have three, we're in trouble, right? But, we, you know, and I talked about how, you know, we, we came from Romans 8 and then the rest of the scriptures were uh, Old Testament scriptures, right? How we are free from the guilt of sin. And we do a good job in the church of talking about that. But sometimes we don't do a good job in talking about where Romans 8 and 2 says that we are free from the power of sin. And, and this is why, you know, Christians struggle sometimes. Right. And we can see Christian struggle. And I also talked about, yes, we can judge, but we have to be careful not to point the fingers at our brothers and sisters so much where we cause them to regress. Right. And, and, and I talked about how. You know, when we sin, we can sometimes fall into condemnation ourselves, right? But when we see a fellow brother and sister sin, guess what? We want to convict them, and we can't do that. We can't put that yoke of bondage on them, right? And I talked about how the Word convicts. We're not to convict, right? The Word of God is to convict, right? We, we can disciple, teach, right? Educate, all those things, like all in one. Right. But we can't sit up here and, and try to convict our brothers and sisters. And, and we have to be careful of that. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's uh, go to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. You know, and I also talked about how it doesn't matter how long somebody's been saved. Right. And I gave the example of the Corinthian church and the church in Thessalonica. Right. So. 
Somebody could be saved for a long time and still be struggling. And I'm going to go through four points. Second Thessalonians chapter two, and then I'll be out your way. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter two. And we will begin, we will look at 13 through 15. All right. So Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13 says this. But, oh, so first point, I'm sorry, I meant to give you the point. <laughs> So first point is we have been chosen for sanctification. We have been chosen for second, uh, sanctification. All right. So Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So. Marsha talked about a couple of weeks ago how, you know, people say, I found God, but no, God finds us and he leads us to Christ. Right. And, and, and Paul talks about in Ephesians how we were handpicked. We're chosen. Right. We're, we're chosen by God. So we, we have to remember that. So let's keep going. Verse 14. I'll come back to that. To which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So he's talking about the tradition. So, again, that is the having the knowledge of the word. Right. So he says by our word, which he was speaking and ministering to them and also by our epistle, which he's writing to the letters. Right. So which is the letters that we have today. Right. So, again, that goes back to we have to have a knowledge of the word. And remember, everything starts with our will, because like I talked about, the Holy Spirit will never override our free will. All right. So he has chosen us to salvation through sanctification, which was verse 13. So, again, our salvation is instantaneous, but our sanctification is going to be a process. And again, everybody's process is going to be different. All right. So it's a process that we have to go through and we are not to neglect it. So salvation through sanctification, the two go together. That's what he's saying here, through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So I'll, sal oh, I'll jump ahead. All right. So has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So they go together. We can't have one without the other. The problem is this. We don't know who's been chosen. Right. God knows. Christ knows, but we don't know who's been chosen, right? But we can see the results of somebody's sanctification. That goes back to fruit, right? We're to be fruit inspectors, right? So if somebody's saying that they're saved, they're born again, they're Christian, and they're giving church speak, but yet their lifestyle shows something different, just like we read in the, you know, first Corinthians, excuse me, you know, a couple of weeks ago, then something's wrong there, right? Their fruit is it, it, it's off. Right. So, again, as Christians, we're to be fruit inspectors. Amen. So if we neglect sanctification, then we in turn will neglect our salvation. So what does that mean? If we neglect sanctification, then that in turn can lead to backsliding. And then if it leads to backsliding, then we are in danger of becoming a backslider. Right. That's, again, the difference between a, someone that commits a sin and someone that's a sinner. Right. So we have to be careful of that. So we we 
We've all probably seen it in church where somebody comes up and they rededicate their life to the Lord. Why? Because they became a backslider, right? But God doesn't want us to be backsliders, right? But as long as we continue to follow his ways, we'll be good, right? But a lot of times we, we struggle in that, right? But it shouldn't be a struggle. It's again, our will, knowledge of the word, and submitting to the Holy Spirit. Alright, so by the spirit and belief in the truth, God's work of sanctification uses the two great forces, the spirit and the belief of the truth. The spirit of God and the word of God are essential to our sanctification. Alright, so point number two, the Lord sanctifies us. Hebrews chapter two. See, a lot of times we think that, and I think I touched on it last week or I mentioned it, that we think that we have to do this all ourselves. There's no way we can do this out of our own ability. Right? We, we can't do that. But we see that sometimes with people who are trying to grow close to the Lord, but they're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Some of them don't know how to surrender to the Holy Spirit because some of them probably never even heard of the Holy Spirit because some churches don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Right? So we have churches that don't talk about the Holy Spirit and we have churches that don't even teach the Word. Right? They teach their opinions. And things like that. And, and that's becoming a thing now where we're teaching opinions because we're becoming more trying to be give more revelation instead of giving the true revelation, which is the word of God. Amen. All right. So Hebrews chapter two. Everybody there? Because I know it's a book that we don't normally read <laughs> outside of Hebrews chapter 11. All right. So Hebrews chapter two, beginning at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies. And those who are being sanctified are all of one, for, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So for he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. So the Lord is sanctifying us. Right? He, this is what we have to remember. The Lord is sanctifying. We don't sanctify ourselves, but he is sanctifying us. This is why he's given us his Holy Spirit. Right? To help us in this walk. Right? So this is again why even when I touched on in the end of service last week, that all this doesn't have to be a struggle, right? So we have people, different Christians, that are struggling with all sorts of different things. It could be worry, it could be fear, it could be pornography, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs. But as long as we have the Holy Spirit and we surrender, it's His power that's going to keep us, right? This is what separates the church from Israel, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Alright, so verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. So, God has given us to the Lord. Right, he's given us to the Lord. So now, we do what? He, like he said at the, uh, the first verse that I read, uh, verse 11, where he calls us brethren, or sisters. Right? <laughs> He, so, we, we, we're to be one, right? But that's a part of that sanctification process. All right, so let's keep going. And at verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So, who had the power of death? See, we are no longer, when we come into the body of Christ, we no longer have to be afraid of death. Right? Because we know that the scripture says what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But why do we have so many Christians that are afraid of death? Mm -hmm. Right? So, we, 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 death is 
our enemy. Right? We talked about it before. Death is our enemy, but we don't have to be afraid of it. Because death has no power. Because guess what? See, sometimes we're afraid of death because we're afraid we're going to miss something in the world. We're going, whether it's food, whether it's a movie, whether it's a game, right? Or even our family members, right? And I've talked about it before that I promise you, once we die and we're in the presence of the Lord, we're not going to be thinking about none of this stuff, right? So we're not going to miss anything. But sometimes we want to hold on to these things, right? Or some of us probably heard people and some of us may have said it ourselves. Well, I want to die before this person. Right. But that's that's selfishness. Right. We don't speed up our death. Right. So that's like we don't commit suicide. Right. Because, again, that's selfishness. Right. And that's a sin. Right. Because if you commit suicide and we're supposed to be the, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Ghost, then we shouldn't be doing damage to this temple. Amen. Right. And we should fulfill God's purpose because God's got a purpose for each and every person. Amen. Right. And we have to understand there's a difference between talents and the giftings that he gives us, right? So even the unsaved, they have talents that God has blessed them with, right? That we're to come into this world and do things, right? But now we come to the body of Christ. Now he's given us different giftings as well that we can use to bring him glory, right? Not for us, but to bring him glory. Amen. All right, so verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So when we fear death, that means we're in bondage. Yeah, right? right? We're in bondage. He doesn't want us to be in bondage because we don't have to be afraid of death. Because right. guess what? We're going to wake up praising the Lord. Right? We're going to have a heavenly escort into the throne room in his presence. Hallelujah. Amen? Right. All right. Verse 16. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So he helps us out. Right? Verse 17. Therefore, in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, with like us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Right? So, there's no temptation that we can face that he's not giving us a way out. Right. So he, the, the problem why people give into the temptation is they give into the flesh. Right. And again, the Holy Spirit is there to keep us. But what do we do? We ignore those warnings. See, sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will say, don't go there or don't watch that. Right. Because if you have a problem with lust, guess what? There's certain things you can't watch. Amen. Holy Spirit knows that. Right? Because he knows what's in our hearts. Right? So we have to be careful of those. So I promise you, if you were born again believing, you're walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit is warning you. It's just a matter of whether or not we're going to heed to that warning Amen. or we're going to ignore that warning. Right? So those Christians that may be bound in pornography or addicted to pornography, I guarantee you when they go into that computer or wherever, Holy Spirit is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. But guess what? They'll go and do it. Some don't. Right? And, and then that's a part of the victory. Amen. Right? It's that freedom. But he'll give us that. So whether somebody has an issue with alcohol or whatever, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I, I'm here. I'm giving you the strength. I'm giving you that dude in his power to walk away.
But, you know, again, we have this flesh. Right? But the more times we walk away, the stronger we become. The more times we walk away and we draw closer to the Lord, the stronger we become. So now where we once was bound and tormented with lustful thoughts, guess what? We're free. <laughs> We're free. Right? But we don't sit up there and we don't entertain those things. No, 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 no. We can't do that. Right? Sometimes we have to do what? Take every step. We have to go on a fast. Right? Because this flesh wants to rise up and dictate to us on what it wants to do. Right? Because we read last week, the flesh is in opposition of the word, of the spirit of God. Right? So we may have to, we may have to fast. Right? That's a good thing. Right? A lot of Christians today don't want to fast. Right? Because they want that burger, donut, people, whatever it is. Right? I don't want to make you hungry. <laughs> but times we have to turn down that plate. Right? And, and, and again, that's going to bring our flesh into subjection. Amen? Amen. All right. So as sanctified people, the Lord is not ashamed to call us brethren. Right? So, again, as sanctified, we, we talked about it last week. That's why I gave you Old Testament scripture. So you see, he was setting Israel apart to be a special people. Right? But Israel failed. Israel rejected Christ. Right? So now he's setting the body of Christ up to be uh, set apart from the world. Again, we're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. Right? We don't judge the things of the world, what they do, but we, we are to be his hands and feet in this world. Right? We're, we're going to be the light in this world. Right? So again, no matter how dark the world is, as long as we have a will, as long as we have the knowledge of the word, as long as we submit to the Holy Spirit, our lamp is going to shine. Amen. Our lamp is going to shine. And then we could be examples to those who don't know the Lord. Right? And we could be examples to those who are in relationship with the Lord, but are still struggling, right? Still bound in these sins and, and, and doing these things. And some of them have a desire. And I'm saying some of them, some of them as in unsaved and also those who are saved, who are bound in certain things, they have a desire to stop, but they don't know how because we don't teach this stuff. We don't teach this stuff, right? But we'll sit up here, not we, some people will sit up here and say, hey, I have that problem too. That's okay. We're in this together. And then they're going to still struggle. Right? They're never going to get set free. And they think it's okay when it's not God's will. Right? So that brings us to point number three. That sanctification is not optional. It's not optional. Alright? So let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4. See, sometimes we act like sanctification, being set apart for God's purpose, living in holiness is optional. But we're going to see here it's not optional. And we treat it like it's optional because, again, we don't teach it to the body of believers. We, we don't teach it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll try to read my scribble because I got a lot of notes scrib scribbled down. <laughs> so, and my handwriting's terrible. So, 
That's why I learned to write in pencil now so I can erase it if I have to. <laughs> Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. So, let's stop right there. So, he's saying we should abound more and more. Again, that's that progressive, right? We, we should continue to be growing. We should, we should grow con consistently, right? There should be growth in us. We should never be stagnant. So, the same way we may have been six months ago, we should be different. We should be stronger now. Again, if we have that will, we have the knowledge, and we submit to the Holy Spirit, we're going to grow closer to God, and we're going to grow in holiness, right? And we're going to be set apart. We're going to be different, all right? Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to what he said there. You know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Let's stop right there. That word will means what one wishes to be done. What one wishes to be done. So we know when God wishes something to be done, he usually does what? He speaks it. Right? So hold your finger there. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We'll go back to First Thessalonians. Alright, so that word will, like I said in the Greek, is what, wish, what one wishes to be done. So, to be done, excuse me. So, that is what God wishes to be done. So, we see in uh, Genesis 1, just looking at verse 3, then God said, Let there be light, and there was what? Light. God wished that there was light, and He spoke it, and there was what? Light. Right? And God, verse 4, God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So let's look at verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from, from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament, firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So God spoke it, God wished it, God, saw it, God spoke it into existence. All right, so let's look at verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its, its, its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. The herb that yields seed according to its kind, and a tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So we can stop right there. We can go back to uh, Thessalonians. But y'all see right there, when God wished something to be done, he spoke it, and it happened. So that's the same thing he's wishing for us in sanctification, but it goes back to our will. Because unlike nature, nature doesn't have a free will. So when God speaks, it happens. But he's given us a free will. So he's speaking to us, right? He's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to us through the word of God. But we have a free will. So we decide that whether or not we're going to do it or not. We're going to be optional. But it's God's will for us to live in sanctification. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So again, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
So he's saying that's the will of God. And he's saying he got that commandment from the Lord Jesus Christ, which was in verse 2. That you should abstain from what? Sexual immorality. King James has uh, fornication. But sexual immorality. So what is sexual immorality? Any illicit sexual activity that is outside of marriage, anything immoral. So that doesn't just mean physical sex. That means somebody that is bound in pornography. Right? That is sexual immorality. Right? But he doesn't want us in those things because if we're in those things, then guess what? We're not progressing in sanctification. We're stuck. Alright? So let's keep going. Verse 4. That each of you... So he's saying everybody, everybody in the in church of Thessalonica, which is everybody in the body of Christ, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Trying to decipher my note here. Hold on, I got I got little drawings here. <laughs> Let me follow the line. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna read that again. Right. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So that word honor actually means um, valuing by which by a price that is fixed. So something that is bought with a price, right? So. We know the scripture says that what? We were bought with a price. Amen. Right? So, it is not God's plan and purpose for us to do what we want with our bodies. Right? right. So, we've been bought with a price. So, watch this. Not only that, if we turn around and we, those of us who are single or married, and we turn around and we get in an illicit uh, uh, relationship, then guess what? We're mistreating God's body for us. We're mistreating God's body for them as well. Now watch this. It doesn't matter if both. It, well, let me slow down. So you can, have, you can have two born again Christians. Actually, take that back. You can have one, a spouse that's born again, one spouse that's not. You can have that brother or sister that's born again. Right. And I touched on it Wednesday where I talked about how there was a brother in the church. where He's been married for like four or five times already. Right, because his first spouse was unsaved, but he thought that he, uh, the grass would be greener, and he just needed somebody that was saved, that was born again. Right, so eventually these women picked up on it, and then they started going to him. But guess what? Even though his first wife was unsaved, she was still bought with a price. Why? Jesus died for everybody. That's right. Right, Jesus died for everybody. So even though that unsaved spouse, and guess what? We just read it uh, this week, right? The, the unbelieving spouse is, is sanctified by the believing spouse. Right? So, that's still God's property. Right? So, when we do those things, or when we have that pastor that's doing marriage counseling, and they try to take advantage of the person that they're counseling, and then they get into a relationship, they were bought with a price. That's the problem. Not supposed to do that. That's not a part of sanctification. Right? So these are things we have to be, and guess what? It doesn't have to be physical, because Jesus said in the Beatitudes that what? If it's in our heart, then we committed it. That's right. Same thing, if murder is in our heart, that means we committed it according to the Lord's standard. Right? So same thing, if that lust and stuff is in our heart, then we're committing it. Amen. Right? But we have to remember, everybody has been bought with a price, saved or unsaved, because Jesus died for everybody. Alright, so let's keep going. Uh, verse 5. 
not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Right? So we're not to be like the Gentiles, those who don't know God. We're supposed to be different. That is a part of our sanctification. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be righteous. We're supposed to be a peculiar people where they think we're strange. Right? right? They think that we're strange. Right? So even if we try to tiptoe back out in the world, we should not fit in. Right? We should not fit in. It should be, you don't belong here. Something is off. Right? Yeah, why are you here? Right? All right. Not in, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse 6. That no one should take advantage, no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testify. So that word, the fraud there, actually means taking advantage in an illicit sexual way. Right? So we're not to take advantage of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So all these people, about to say pastors, because it, but it's not just pastors, right? Christians who are getting uh, divorced and then marrying somebody two or three weeks later, that's not a God. Right? Because something is off with that. There's no way in the world you got to know that person that quick. Right? So something is, something is off with that. But when we do these things, it says the Lord is the avenger of all such. So we don't have to take vengeance. Why? Because that word avenger means punisher. That's right. Right? So now, if we're not living in sanctification, guess what? The Lord is the punisher. We don't have to get upset. Right? We don't have to point the fingers. God will take care of them. Right? God, God will take care of those who are doing wrong, who are taking advantage of people, because that's, that, that's what they're doing. They're taking advantage of people. And again, we're thinking the grass is greener. You're like, well, yeah, I have an unsafe spouse. And, you know, brother and sister so-and-so, they, they treat me right. And, and all will be good when we get together. Nope. They're going to suffer God's punishment in that. Right? So they can sit up here, think they're getting with brother and sister so-and-so, and think they got holy matrimony, but it's not. That, that, that is stunning your sanctification. And God is going to be an avenger of those that do that. Alright? Uh, verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Right? So he didn't call us to be unclean. Right? So he didn't call us to be children of the night. Amen. Right? And, you know, our parents probably said it. And we probably said it to our kids. Right? Good things don't happen late at night. Right? We, we probably need to be in the house at a certain time. Right? Unless we're going to work or, or going to a hospital somewhere. We, we, we need to be at home at a certain hour, right? Because good things don't happen at night. <laughs> Amen. All right, verse 8. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man. In other words, he who rejects this does not reject the Son, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So when we say, well, let's maybe do it, or I have no control of this, that's a lie. Because he's saying, I've given you the, my Holy Spirit. Right? That's the dunamis power right there. The dunamis power is the Holy Spirit that keeps us from sinning. It has nothing to do with the gift things. Right? And I, I, I talked about that last week. So we have to be careful of those things. Alright? So point number four, last point. We are sanctified by the word. We are sanctified by the word. Right? And another definition I have of sanctification, it means holy purity. 
So we, we are progressing towards a fullness of holiness. All right, so point four was we are sanctified by the word. So that's John 17. Let's turn there. And we're going to see why the word is important. John chapter 17. All right, beginning at verse 14, I'll probably read to 23. Uh, I may stop here and there, but beginning at verse 14. So John chapter 17, beginning at verse 14. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So, that we're keeping up from the evil one is protecting them from the evil one. Right? We are in the world, but not of the world. Right? So as long as we're in this world, we have to remember Satan is the ruler of this world. Right? But if we're set apart and we're living for God, the Lord will protect us. And that's why I say we're to be children of the light, and not at nighttime, not in darkness. All right, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So, he's saying, but he's talking about disciples here, right? That they are not of the world, just like he's not of the world. So, we should not be of the world. We should not resemble the world outside of our body features, right? Amen. And our, our clothing and things like that. But our character should not resemble the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, he's saying sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, how do we get sanctified? But by the word. So, why so many Christians struggle with their sanctification is they don't know the word. Amen. They're not being taught the word. They're not reading the word. I'll come back to that. I, gave, I talked about it last week. How survey was. I jumped ahead, so I got my notes here now. No. Uh, that only 10% of the Bible, uh, excuse me, 10% of Christians read the Bible every day. Right? So we wonder why so many Christians struggle. Because they're not in their word. Right? So, and again, I talked about how that was after COVID. Prior to COVID, it was 14%. So since COVID, it's going down. Right? It, it's going down. And it, that's a problem. So we have, and that's why we have sometimes Christians who, who want to prophesy, but they misquote the word. And they don't know the word. So now we have to ask, well, is it the Lord speaking to you? Or is it your own will speaking? Because guess what? Holy Spirit is not going to misquote the word. Amen. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit knows the word better than all of us put together. <laughs> all right. So what else? 8% uh, of people, this is everybody, not just Christians, Read the Bible three to four percent, excuse me, three to four times per year. And I'm sure that there are Christians that only read the Bible three to four percent, three to four times a year. But this is this is the kicker here. This I know. This is more than half. Fifty seven percent of American Christians believe other religions lead to eternal life. That's fifty seven percent. So that's over half of the body of Christ 
in America that believes that other religions lead to eternal life. And I believe it. You know why? Because we were in a church one time where somebody was ministering and they talked about how uh, God the Father was the same as Allah. Right? And the pastor never corrected it. Not that he had to stop him right then and there, but there should have been some correction and clarification of the word. But he allowed that to go on. And believe it or not, some seminaries are teaching that. Right? So that tells me we're not reading the scriptures. Right? So now you have seminaries teaching that. So they're teaching that to pastors and leaders. And then guess what the pastor and leader is going to do? Teach it to everybody else. Right? So we wonder why American Christians, the American church is so biblically illiterate. Right? Because we're not being taught the word. We're not being held accountable to the word. There's, there's, there's no urgency to read the Bible every day. Right? We can do everything, go to work and do all these things, but we don't have no time to spend in God's word. Spend time in prayer. So our growth as Christians always come back to our knowledge of the Bible. The things we fall short of come back to our knowledge of the Bible or a lack of knowledge of the Bible. Right. So our knowledge of the Bible can make us and break us at the same time. So what do I mean by that? If we have a knowledge of the Bible, if we're studying the word, reading the word on a consistent basis, that's going to help us grow closer to the Father. Right. But if we do those things, and we neglect it, it's going to break us because now we're going to be in sin. Why? James 4.17 says this, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Right? So if we know to do the word and we neglect in doing the word, it's a sin. Right? So it's almost a catch one too. The more we know, the better we should be, but the more we know, the more accountable we have to be. Right. So this is why, again, we have to be careful sometimes of pointing the finger and trying to put a yoke on a brother and sister of Christ because they may not have the knowledge that we have. Right. They, now, we don't give them our opinion. We just give them the word. Amen. Right. We, we give them the word. And if they accept it, they accept it. If they reject it, they reject it. They're not rejecting us. They're rejecting God. Right. But we have to be careful because a lot of times we like to give our opinions. And our personalities, right? And then we can beat them like a hammer on a nail, right? We have to be careful of that, right? All we got to do is give them the word. Because remember, we don't convict, the word of God convicts. That's, right. That's what we have to remember. So, regardless of a person's title, regardless of how long somebody's been saved, that has nothing to do with the sanctification process, Right? It's an indictment for somebody that had been saved for so long, but still struggling in the same things that they've been bound with for 15, 16, 17, 30 years, whatever it is. It shouldn't be. So, again, the more knowledge of the Bible we have, the more mature we should be. Amen. Right. So I think Phil talked about it before. We, you know, if if somebody comes to strike us, yeah, we probably should turn the other cheek. Right. Now, if we're in our flesh, we're not going to do that, right? But if we're spending time with God, right, then it becomes stronger in our inner man to do those things, 
right? So we have to be careful and not to be bound in our flesh. And again, we could be doing all these things right, saying we may not have a problem with lust or any of those things, but we still may need to fast just to become stronger in our inner man. It's, it, you know, and, and spend a time where we weaken our flesh. Amen? Amen. Oh, I'm going to stop right there because I want to dig into this. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop right there. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to stop right there. But, you know, um, we have to be ready at all times. Right. We have to we, we can't be getting ready and things like that, but we have to be ready at all times. Right. And, and it could be anything. It, you know, we have to be ready to give a reason for our faith. Right. Um, our co-workers, family, they're watching us. Yes. They're watching. A lot of them are just watching us to see when we slip up. <laughs> right. And again, this is not about being perfect because we're not going to be perfect. Right. So. They can point their fingers and say whatever. It, you know, it doesn't matter. First John 1 and 9 tells us, you know what, if we sin, we confess our sins. And we move on, right? We're not to be in condemnation with those things, right? But we are constantly, just like he's, uh, Paul wrote here to Thessalonians, that we are continue to abound more and more, right? We shouldn't be stuck and staying stagnant, but we should be growing. And, and, and this is what God's will is for us. Right. This is what God's will was for going all the way back to when Adam sinned. Right. When he called Israel for them. And the thing about it is this. Israel, God had to make sure, even though they didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside, God had to make sure that they knew his commandments. Why? Because if they knew his commandments and they chose to do their own will, which they did. Now they pay the penalty. Right. So. God became their avenger, their punisher on the things that they did. So does it mean that he came down and struck them? Sometimes he did, right? When they made the golden calf and he caused the earthquake. Sometimes he brought other nations against them, right? He sent them into captivity in Babylon, right? Because of their disobedience. That was part of God's punishment, right? So it doesn't mean all the time he's going to come and just wipe us out. But we're going to face some things. Right. But he doesn't want us to have to go through those things. Right. Again, doesn't mean we won't be faced with life circumstances. Doesn't mean we won't be faced with sicknesses and things like that. Right. That's just a part of the curse of sin to this earth. Right. That, that that's what that is. Right. But as far as us being set apart, being a holy and peculiar people and, and living for him. Right. That's his joy that he wants to take in us where he wants to use us, right? That's why we read in Hebrews, Jesus said, I can call him brethren, right? That he's not ashamed to call us brethren or sisters, right? He's not ashamed to do those things, right? But those who are not living, right? Depart from me, I never knew you, right? That's what you read today. Depart from me, I never knew you, right? Because he, he comes a shame, right? Y'all hear me say all the time, we're either all in or we're not. We can't have half of us in, half of us out, right? We, we can't do that, right? But we, we have to stay in the word and we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit, but it has to start with our will, right? Because our bodies, our flesh can sometimes, a lot of times become lazy. It becomes tired when we open up the Bible, right? We, we start to fall asleep or if we start to go to prayer, 
Now we become tired, right? That's the body, right? That, because it's in opposition, right? But the Lord, we, we have to fight through that. We have to fight through that, right? It's, and then, you know, so y'all heard me say, sometimes we're going to read the Bible. Sometimes I read the Bible. I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of confusing. What, what, do you, what, what, what do you mean here, right? So again, so sometimes we may have to go to a commentary, right? Uh, sometimes we may have to go to a, a, a Greek or Hebrew dictionary to, to, to gain more knowledge, right? And this again, we're substituting, Christians today are substituting reading the word by listening to any and everybody because we're too lazy to read the word for ourselves, yeah. right? Again, it's not that we can't listen to other people, but we have Christians, that's all they do. They'd rather listen to somebody than open up the Bible themselves. And then guess what they're doing? They're getting this doctrine. They're getting that doctrine. Well, I know what they're saying is not right on this. But what they say is true in this. And then this person said, no. How about we learn the word for ourselves? Yes. Right? This is why I say, you know, take notes. Go back and go over the scriptures. Right? Because guess what? I'm human. Just like anybody else, right? And I think it was a scripture I read last week. I'm sitting up here reading it, and then I said the wrong word. It was the last, like, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing wrong, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it. I think it was a, one of the Levitic, Leviticus scriptures, and I'm reading it, and I think it was supposed to say people, and I said something else, sanctified, I think. <laughs> right? But, you know, these are things that we have to be mindful of. And, again, we don't put the yoke of bondage on people. Right? We don't put the yoke of bondage on people. We just give them the word. Right? And again, this is why we have our mothers to, to, to help the younger women. Right? And even the men in the church to help the younger men. Right? The, the, that's all a part of God's plan for the church. So we, we have to understand that we have to continue to, we have to dig in the word. We have to dig in the word. And it's exciting. Right. So whether I go to the Old Testament, whether I go to the New Testament, you know, some things can be Leviticus. It's not all an exciting book sometimes. Right. Some some chapters are some chapters are. But some of the things I'm like, OK, I think I might move on. Right. All right. But that's OK. But when we get into Genesis, Exodus. Right. Even when we read Nehemiah, the prophetic books, all those things are good. Right. So we have to understand. And that's why I said sometimes the Hebrews can be difficult to understand. But if we understand Leviticus, now we understand Hebrews a lot better. Right? right. But again, that's, that's being studiers of the word. Amen? Amen? All right, let's bow our heads.